0: good evening everybody 780-6868 is the phone number if you'd like to talk to Mike O'Shea ask him a question or two you can text us as well same number 780-6868 I presume uh, most of you are aware of what happened with the Bombers on the weekend another victory they're eighth in a row seventh in a row sorry seventh in a row they're now nine and one they beat uh, Edmonton 26 to 16 and uh, Mike O'Shea I would suggest it was one of your Toughest games of the year or not?
1: Well, I mean, it it certainly wasn't easy. I think Edmonton plays hard and they play well. You know, defensively, they get a lot of of pressure. Um, So, yeah, it it, it certainly wasn't easy. We didn't think it was going to be easy, and I still don't think we played um, up to our potential. So it made it a little more difficult than it maybe had to have been.
0: And it might... Might not have turned out the way it did if uh, Aaron Grimes doesn't drop that ball in the fourth quarter.
1: Yeah, I think both teams uh, made some mistakes and missed some opportunities, and we maybe just made a a few less mistakes.
0: Yeah, and when we say things like it might not have or it could have and this and that and the other thing, what happened was you won the game by 10 points, and there's always events you can look at in a game. If this hadn't happened, if that hadn't happened, aren't there?
1: It, er, every game. Yeah. I mean, they're looking at the the ball we dropped that could have scored two to put it uh, to cement the the, the victory. So, um, though, like you said, those come up in every single game. We talk about this a lot. It's, it's you know, X number of plays versus Y number of plays, and you usually end up, the winning team usually ends up with one or two more uh, plays made. <laughs> you yeah. know.
0: You, uh... You Uncharacteristically, Mike took more penalties than the other team. Did that bother you a bit?
1: Well, some of the penalties were were troublesome. Obviously, we we score a touchdown, then we kick the ball out of bounds. Um, we were going to pin them deep, and we punt the ball out of bounds. We take a, a too many men on the field penalty after we stopped them on second and long. That was big. Yeah, it was big, and they went down and scored. After that, so we call that an off the field killer, and um, you certainly want to limit those not just in a game but in a season you want to you don 't want to have a lot of off the field killers and you know our team 's been pretty darn good at it uh, this year, and you know that one shows up it's that one 's very disappointing because it 's certainly controllable
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh, penalties haven 't been a problem, and you often say. It's not always going to look like this when we talk about all the great things your team is doing. So not that you would ever accept a game like this, but uh, overall your work in terms of taking penalties is pretty darn good.
1: Yeah, we're usually, I mean, the last bunch of years we've been the number one in the league in terms mm-hmm. of penalties. Um, this year we're, you know, we're one, two, or three. I don't know. There's, there's a difference in the number of games played. So. But we're, we're right up there in terms of playing clean games. I think this the the seven penalties for 81 yards, um, and a few of them are just indicative of the. Um, I would say I wouldn't say lackluster, but we're missing a bit of you know a, a, a bit of sharpness to us, right? And I think that that overall that's going to lead to a few more penalties and a and a, some mistakes and some missed tackles and a drop ball. You know, it's just going to it's going to lead to that kind of feeling. Even though we won, it's going to lead to that feeling of us wanting more from ourselves.
0: Yeah. You talk about uh, missing a bit of sharpness. That's an interesting term. So when you can win, Mike O'Shea, on the road, even when you're missing a bit of sharpness, is that a good sign?
1: Um, Well, I think we're thankful for the victory. Um, But I wouldn't say that that not playing our best is a good sign of anything.
0: <laughs> no, of course not. But I'm saying, so you can do that and still win. Yeah, you can't. I don't know. You can you can
1: uh, enjoy that performance as much because you certainly don't want to get caught in that trap of of saying, yeah, yeah, we don't have to play our best and we can still win. You know, you, you want to get, especially as the later the season goes on, you want to be hot,
0: you know. Yeah. So... I guess uh, your message or your hope is that the players uh, realize that, Hey, you know, we won, but we got to be sharper.
1: Yep. They know that. Yeah.
0: Nobody yeah. Does. They all know that.
1: Sure. I mean, they, they don't like again, I don't really need to say that to them. You know, they, they pretty well understand it.
0: So I've been asked one question above all else since the game on Friday, and it's about Andrew Harris's health, Mike O'Shea. What can you tell us about that?
1: Well, he's, um, we talked earlier, and and he's got a, had a doctor's appointment today. He'll have another one this week, and and we'll see what that all adds up to. Um, but until then, uh, you know, I don't think it's fair to Andrew or anybody to comment on it. Are you hopeful? Always, always hopeful.
0: Do you have a reason to be hopeful?
1: I, I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Well, so. You know, he's one of your key players, one of your most important players, but he goes down late in the second quarter. And before we talk about Brady Oliveira, these uh, non-contact injuries, and again, so we don't know how bad it is with Andrew Harris, but I don't know, we see so many of these sort of innocent-type plays where where guys get hurt. Did this happen in your playing days, Mike, as often as it seems to happen now?
1: Uh, yeah, it would be hard for me to quantify it. I know it happened. I, I know, you know, one of the times that, um, you know, I had to miss a couple plays. It was a non-contact injury. I've seen it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it would be very hard for me to uh, to quantify that. But that's a great question for, for Al Couture next time you...
0: Yeah. Want to talk to them? It just seems to me like they're more prevalent. And it's, you know, in this tough, tough game of football, uh, a lot of guys get hurt simply by the way they kind of twist their foot or their knee sometimes. And I know that's always happened. It just sometimes it seems like it's for for whatever reason it happens more. Anyway, um, the coach showed Michael Shea is brought to you by Calb Seed, the seed for every season. All right, uh, let's go to our first Text question, Mike. It says, I see Carlton Agadosi was transferred to the suspended list. Is he still in the team's plans? This is from Gord.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Had uh, a family matter to attend to.
0: Okay, the next one is, how important is it for the Bombers to clinch first place in the West? History shows this has not happened very often. Is this a team goal?
1: Um. No, we have one goal at the start of the year, uh, and that would be the most important goal. After that, you know, how it, how we get to that goal, um, you know, we'll take it as we get it.
0: So first place isn't a goal?
1: No. Uh, you know, I, I guess I don't know how to explain this properly. Once, You know, when we have the, the meetings at the beginning of the year when the team's been cut down and, the, and everybody's sitting there, but, you know, we, we agree on on our goal for the year, our one goal. So how we get to it is um, based solely on the following a, a simple formula, following the process that we lay out each and every week, pretty well the same process, and sticking to the, the pillars that we believe help us win football games. After games, we look at the reasons why we won or lost, and we compare them to the, to the pillars that we want to play by that we think help us win football games. You know, how, what our record ends up at the end of the season, where we get seated playoff-wise, doesn't change the fact that we have one goal in mind. And it maybe changes the path of how to get there but it doesn't change the one goal. And we just choose not to lose sight of that fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gets increasingly more difficult with social media and with all this, uh, you know, the media attention that gets um, – that, that your team garners, you know, throughout a, a good season. But we have to remain focused on that one goal. And the, I said the, the path is um, – it's not labeled as easier or harder or, like, so in 2019, when everybody said, oh, you got to win three games on the road, that was basically irrelevant because that was just the path that we had to take to get to our end goal, <laughs> right? So it wasn't to be labeled as, like, once again, as, as difficult or monumental or easy or not a problem. You know, it just is. So... You know, we, we're going to choose to stick to the process, and where that leads us, uh, leaves us in the standings, and then you know that'll dictate the the path we have to take. And uh, from there, the opponents will be decided. And in the meantime, we'll just continue doing the work that we need to do, sticking to the way we do our work.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's you, you very well explained. Now, so the goal is to win the Grey Cup. Sure. Yeah. Basic, simple, and away we go, huh? Away you go. Yeah. Now, <laughs> yeah. Uh, reaching your goal mm-hmm. gets a little easier if you finish first in the West.
1: Well, that once again, that's a label that says that uh, a first week buy makes it easier. I I don't know that, right? I mean, we're still going to do our work, and we're still going to face tough opponents, you know. And it's that's not been decided yet, so. Uh, You know, I think every situation poses, uh, you know, a different set of circumstances that you have to navigate. But once again, I don't know that it's harder or easier or anything like that. It just it is.
0: Well, math tells me it's easier to win (laughs) one playoff game at home than two on the road. But we'll leave it at that. 780 6868. We'll come back. Take your phone calls and your texts. It's the Coach's Show with Mike O'Shea, and it's on 680 cjob Bombers host BC in their second last home game of the regular season, Saturday night, 6 o'clock at IG Field. Tom, you're on the Coach's Show with Mike O'Shea. Go ahead, Tom.
2: Hi, gentlemen. Nice to talk to you this evening. Coach, may I ask you a question? Sure. Let's go. Are you familiar with the sad saga of the 2001 Blue Bombers, where they went, they had, they were in the East and they went, to, they went to Calgary the last game of the year. They had first place, sold up. They arrested some people, and the only reason Calgary ended up in the playoffs was because they won the last game of the year against Winnipeg. And, uh, wouldn't you know it, they showed up in the top. As I said, we were in the East, and they beat us. But at any rate, there was a a Roman spokesman and writer, a a statesman and writer, and whatever speech he made, he ended it with Lendra est catargo, which means Carthage must be destroyed, because he realized that even though we'd beaten them a couple times, they had everything in place to rebuild quickly and pose a threat to Rome. So eventually Rome went in there and they burnt that place to the ground. It was brutal and perhaps criminal and sinful, but Carthage never bothered Rome again and Rome went on to rule for 400 years. So I say to you, Brother Coach Delandra F. Calgary. If you've got a chance to put those guys out of the playoffs, you go ahead and do it. All right, Tom,
0: we're going to leave it at that. I, so Tom's talking about the final game of the regular season in yeah. Calgary against the State. a Stanford. great story. I enjoy that story. That's yeah, great. it was good. Do you care to wade into that whole philosophy? Well, I don't, simply
1: because... My mind doesn't go there at all, yeah, I right? Know. I know that. I got, I'm sitting in the office right now, Bob. I got, it's uh, 6 nothing BC over Calgary on the first nine minutes, 24 seconds ago in the first quarter. Right. Right? And I'm just so sort of going through some film. And we're solely focused on, on BC. Like, like you ended off the last segment, you know, you said it's much easier to win two than it is to win three. Well, we, we don't ever look at it as winning two or winning three. Right? So we look at it as winning one, and that's all we ever think about is how do we win one? right? Because if you start to think about how do we win two and how do we win three, you start stacking the odds against yourself possibly, or you start thinking about other things that that aren't relevant to that winning that one game. So in order to get to where we want to get to, we're going to win, have to win X number of games, which will be decided as we go along.
0: Yeah. No, I get that. I, I I think what I said was it's easier – to get where you're going if you only have to win one versus two. Uh, and again, you know, uh, but I understand your philosophy totally. And I think the fans do too, at this point, they, they understand how you approach all this. Johnny, you're on the coach's show with Mike O'Shea. Go ahead. Oh, good evening guys.
3: Congratulations on the win coach. I have a, I don't think it's a strange question, but something I'd like you to answer straight to the point. When I was listening uh, to the end of the game and you had the football first down with very few yards to go, it was the victory formation thing, and I was sort of going along with Doug Brown and his disappointment. why the hell not go for the touchdown? Why just take a knee and end the football game
0: no wait a minute wait a minute Johnny Doug did not say that no he, he, he said he he said he was disappointed no 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 he didn't well he, he if he said that he said it was in jest we both agreed that the victory formation was the right thing to do as I recall Doug said that maybe in a humorous way but there's no way he meant that seriously Uh, in to my recollection anyway let's Mike uh, let Mike speak to that whole business
1: yeah well there's even you know I, I just think you're there's something about honoring the game and you know we don't need to tempt any fate there we have the game in hand and whenever we have the game in hand, we're going we're gonna to take a, take a knee and, and finish the game as, as we should. Um, you know, there offensively, you would say there's no greater formation or no greater play in a game than taking a knee to win, right? That means you've done it, you've accomplished what you need to accomplish, and that's a great formation and a great play call. Defensively, when a team takes a knee to win the game, and you're out of opportunities. It, it's that's a terrible feeling, right? So, um, but I also wouldn't tempt fate and and um, try to score again and risk a, a turnover that could result in a, you know a play going back the other way. It's just not it's not how we would do it. Well, that's a fair
3: enough answer. It's
1: a three. It's a three game series, and we'd already won the series also. Yeah. And there was no points involved at that point, right? In a two-game series, when there's points involved, you know, like so. There's the the BC game. There's points involved in the Calgary game. There would be points involved because they're only two-game series. But you know, in a three-game series, if you if you own the season series, then um, there's there's you don't need to get points
0: in that oh. situation. Johnny, okay, would well, you would you thanks. have preferred if they tried to score another touchdown?
3: Yeah, I think I would. I mean, I'm an old school football fan, and they call it the victory formation, but that's not always the way it was. And and I'd just like teams to play it out. Like yeah. if that's the case, you could make a case for you go to the referees and say, "Well, we've only got 26 seconds left. We're going to take a knee. Let's just call the game."
0: Well, you've got the league won't allow that though. You got to run the timeout. Uh, I I think you're rubbing it in if you try to score a touchdown there. It's a pointless. Uh, move to embarrass the other team. I just don't know why you'd do it.
3: Uh, and, right. I th-
0: and I think yeah. Doug agrees with me on that, Johnny. Whatever he said, I, I can pretty well guarantee <laughs> he agrees with that. He says things like that. Some I'd have to listen to it again, but I can pretty well assure you that Doug was not serious about being disappointed about that.
3: Okay. Well, I, I mean, it's not a big issue. I just
0: yeah. I just like to see teams play to the end. That's all.
3: Okay. Fair enough.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's an interesting comment, Mike, isn't it? Um,
1: yeah, we are playing to the end and the defense has the opportunity to try and take the ball away. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we can't, as we take a knee, we can't tell the defense not to come across the formation. So people used to get all upset if the defense, uh, you know, uh, team a, that has the lead would get offended. and The fans would be offended. Well, why is the defense coming across? It's, you know, the game's over. Well, you know, this was discussed a, a decade ago or whatever, and, and, or less than a decade. And my point was, well, as a defensive side, when we're losing and the game is nearly over, it's still not over, and we have the right to come across the ball and try and take the ball away and try and score. Yeah. So okay. Line up in a formation and and defend yourself, you know, because we're we're coming.
0: All right, we'll and, leave that there. We're going to take a break, yeah. Mike, for a news update. We'll come back seven eight zero six eight six eight. More here. Calls and texts for the coach of the Blue Bombers, the coach of show with Mike O'Shea. Question from one of our texters. Hi, guys. Will Jermarcus Hardrick be back on Saturday, Mike?
1: Uh, we'll see. Um, he's been in getting treatment and doing all the right things, and we'll see if he can't uh, take the field sometime this week.
0: Mark uh, sends in a question. Hi, coach. Who is that leader in the dressing room? Who's the most vocal of the players in the dressing room?
1: Oh, I've said all along, we've got, we've got a bunch of guys that are, are fantastic leaders, and, and they, they have a great understanding of, of opportunity to lead. So when it's necessary, they, they step up, and not all of them are vocal, um, but all of them can be vocal at certain times. So very very fortunate our team is to have the number of guys that we have that can lead.
0: Okay, Anna, you're on the coach show with Michael Shea. You've been very patient. And, Gary, you're up next. Go ahead, Anna.
4: Hi. Hi, both of you, Coach and Bob. Hi. Um, I think that the call on the hitting the quarterback, I think it was wrong. Aren't they trying to protect the quarterback?
1: Um, Yeah, I think what they ended up with was one of our players pushed uh, one of their players into Zach. So, um initially they threw the flag. It was uh challenged by their head coach, Jamie Elizondo, and he ended up winning the challenge and the uh command center picked up the flag because our player had pushed um their player into Zach. Did you Yeah, agree-
4: but did you see it that way?
1: Um I-, I do see it that way.
4: Okay, whatever. Anyway, I have another question. <laughs> sure. This is about the uh, Edmonton player um jumping on um mataado mataadoada, and after he kicked the ball, jumping on him, it happened last game and it happened this the previous game and the last game the last game he had his shirt almost off of him the jersey why 't somebody like throwing the flag or something
1: well, because it was legal you know uh. Ollie, anytime a kicker misses a kick and there's a return, they can be blocked at a certain time. And, you know, he was, you know, sort of heading downfield uh, or moving that way, and, and their player blocked our player. And it just so happens the physics work out that he was much bigger than our player, so that's why the block looked like that.
4: He needs to know how to fight, right?
1: Well, he was a little disheveled after in terms <laughs> yeah, of his uniform. He was. But his spirit was not broken. He's yeah. a tough he's a tough man.
0: Hey Anna, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Mike, were you uh obviously convinced on Friday night? Not obviously, but were you convinced that Dali Mortada has kind of got it sorted out now?
1: Uh he does. We sat together uh the next day and you know, Looked at the kicks and looked at the one that was uh, missed. I think it was a 44 yarder from the left hash. And there's some work to be done on that one, that's for sure.
0: Hey, we got to talk about Brady Oliveira before we go any further. 16 carries, 105 yards after Andrew Harris got hurt. And uh, you and I spoke about this earlier today. The offensive line gets a lot of credit for rushing yards on any team, but he made some plays, didn't he? Oh, absolutely.
1: I thought. um, not only did he have great vision and, and, you know, power and speed, I thought he made some, some great moves in tight to, to get yards that might not have initially been there. Um, you know, the, the way I look at it is, is pretty well, I, you know, it's hard to say 100% every time, but, you know, I, I think he got the yards that were available and then a few more sometimes. So that's uh, always good to see.
0: Yeah, and he was obviously ready. I don't know if you ever wonder if players are going to be totally ready when they get their chance because he's just been standing and watching for quite a while. But, uh, man, there wasn't any rust on him, was there?
1: Well, he's been practicing hard and getting a lot of reps in practice too. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't often question whether a player is ready. They're on the field. They understand what their teammates expect of them, and they prepare that way, and they prepare for that next opportunity, right? So, um the, you know, the common word is used is he's been waiting for an opportunity, and, and I just refute that every single time. These guys have been working hard for their opportunities, and when they come, they want to do well with them. So, you, you know, th- they are ready. Yeah.
0: All right, Gary, you're on with Coach O'Shea. Go ahead, Gary.
5: Hi, Coach. How are you doing?
0: Good, Gary. I'm, How are you
5: doing? Oh, plugging away like an old fart should. I'm going to read you a couple statements that concern sports. I want, I'm, want to know if you agree or disagree. You know, okay, is that fair?
1: Well, well I guess one, it depends on the question. <laughs> well,
5: they're, they're, they're nothing too uh, overly philosophical, but uh, the first one is the only yardstick for success our society ha- has is being a champion. No one remembers anything else. Um That's pretty deep. Yeah, I, I don't know. Okay, if you that's fair, okay. And the second one, I think it's a really doozy. Coaches have to watch for what they don't want to see and listen to what they don't want to hear.
1: Like this question? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, I think we're coaches are always watching. And, you know, observing practice, observing meetings, observing the daily routine, um, you know, we have to, because we have to sort of be ever vigilant um, for complacency, for anything else that would, uh, you know, be a distraction or uh, be a, a difference from the process that allows us to keep winning, Right. Um, By the way,
5: those two statements I made are quotes from John Madden. Yeah. If you Google him and check for quotes, he's got a few good ones. Well, have a good game this week, and I'm concerned about you. You got the winter beard going, but you were wearing uh, shorts in Edmonton. Please, chilly weather's coming. Put some long sweats on. We don't want you to catch the flu because we (laughs) care about you.
0: All right, Gary. Hey, thanks for the call, Gary.
5: Appreciate
0: Thank you, Gary. You're the greatest, Bob. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. Um, yeah, the, so one of our texts here, Mike, is about the the weather and the fact it's going to change. It's going to get a lot cooler. Uh, hang on, let me just click on this and see what they're asking you. Is there anything the coaching staff can prep the team for based on the weather conditions they're going to be facing in the days and weeks ahead?
1: Well, I, I think we do. I think we have in the past. We haven't really changed our routine. We we pretty well stay outside um, every single day. So, you know, a couple seasons ago in 2019 when we hit that early snowstorm, I guess it was early October, right? Yeah. Um, we didn't go inside once, if I can recall. And it just, you know, the players have to adapt to it.
0: Simple and, as that, uh, huh? Yeah.
1: So do the coaches. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hi, Coach Michael in San Antonio. Congrats on clinching a playoff spot. Feel free to disregard this question if it's too strange or personal. Do you ever dream about football? Perhaps replays of memorable moments in your career as a player or coach, or possibly as a source of ideas for a pregame speech or an innovative play for special teams? What's in your dreams, Mike O'Shea? <laughs> I am. I, I should be laying on the couch right now, shouldn't I? <laughs> That's a serious question. I didn't make that up. That's Michael yeah. in San Antonio.
1: Yeah, um, I would say the answer would be no, especially to the part about dreaming about old plays that I was involved in or whatever. I don't, it's just not the case, right? I do wake up thinking about football. I do go to bed. Sometimes if I've got something on my mind, You know, it's it it sticks with you and Hopefully, you wake up with with some ideas. You know that old idea of keeping a pad beside your bed so you can wake up and write your ideas down. Well, you know that I think that does happen. Um, not all the time. Yeah. Uh, it depends on the quality of your sleep, I guess. But um, yeah, there's often been times where, you know, you wake up and and what you went to, what what you went to bed, you know, thinking was. Uh, possibly a problem for the next day you wake up and it's solved in your mind you write it down or you sort it through and you and away you go and you're thankful for the sleep and you're thankful for the idea
0: yeah uh here's a nice text from ron he says hi guys just wanted to share my enjoyment listening to the show on my patio beautiful night the season's moving fast it's been great and what a wonderful bright light in the dark of covid this season has been uh, thank you, Coach, for being a talented and ideal coach for this market. Enjoy the rest of the season. That's a nice sentiment, isn't it?
1: It is. It is. I do think that given the cancellation of the 2020 season, I felt that we were. it was too bad because our organization, particularly Wade and, and his staff, had worked so hard to try and get the 2020 season off the ground and it didn't work out. I really thought that that would have been um, a nice distraction for what, what everybody was going through, mm. me included.
0: Uh, Hi, Coach. It's James. Congrats on the season so far. My question is to do with our backup quarterback. I strongly feel he needs to get a chance to play because we might need him at some point. Why do we never give him a chance to play even late in the game?
1: Well, a lot of times the games aren't wrapped up until late in the game. So, um, you know, we've seen it firsthand. We go back to this one every time. You know, we scored two touchdowns in a minute 40-something uh, at home here against Montreal one year. Or so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I would say the reality is, as coaches and probably players, you never feel like the game's in hand. You really don't.
0: You got some great work from your special teams the other night. Uh, Mike, we should talk about Jesse Briggs had a blocked punt, and you ran that uh, punt return with Janarian Grant, who I discovered was left-handed. I didn't know that. <laughs> he threw that... Well,
1: either did they. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: clearly. Uh, and he threw that pass across field to DeAndre Alford and got about a 45-yard return out of that.
1: Yeah, it was uh, very well designed by Boo and very well executed by the players. Those kind of plays require a lot of detail, and uh, our, certainly our players were were good with that. You know, the that, that play, the block punt... Um, I thought were were excellent. You know, the um, you know, in totality, the special teams throughout the year has probably not been looked upon as you know with favorable <laughs> results. Maybe you know, but this was this was their game, and they you know those two plays really I think um, kept us in it and kept momentum going for us while we were still trying to figure them out, right? So I thought they were excellent and very pleased for the special teams, yeah. um, for them to get some some love because uh, they haven't all year long. And not that these guys expect it. They're used to sort of toiling in obscurity, right?
0: Yeah. Well, your kick cover's been really good all year. It's the, the two other parts that sometimes we're a little shaky jesse briggs has really had a a nice year he's started quite a bit he plays quite a bit he blocked a kick he's just he's just done a real good job hasn't he always always
1: does a great job very reliable good leader um just has has whatever time is needed for for any of the guys on the team for him to work with them and and show them stuff and talk about special teams and defense. I mean, he's sharp, 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 sharp. Smart as a whip, that guy. Dude. You know,
0: yeah, and the other guy, Doug Brown, said this on the broadcast the other night. Tead Hansen had a special teams tackle, and whenever he gets one, uh, there's a certain uh, significant collision that occurs. <laughs> he he gets very physically involved when, when he's out there, did not he? Well, the, the one,
1: if, if I'm thinking about the one, it was on a kickoff. It might have been the opening kick, or it might have been our first kickoff. And um, he the blocker met him and he took the blocker, ran him back eleven yards straight backwards. The guy was on his heels, and while driving the blocker back, he leveled the returner with a thud. The guy didn't have a chance. And it was I mean, I showed that to the entire team because it was just a it's another one of those very physical plays that Teadric that happens to generate you know, pretty well every game.
0: Yeah, that's the one we're thinking of. The Coach of Show with Mike O'Shea is brought to you by DeKalb Seed, the seed for every season. We'll come back at 780-6868 on 680 CJOB. got a couple of texts here tonight uh, from fans disappointed that the Bombers and the Winnipeg Jets are playing at the same time on Saturday night, and they've got to make a choice. They say a difficult choice, and this happens in all Canadian cities that have NHL and CFL teams, there invariably are conflicts. That's just a complication of scheduling, isn't it, Mike O'Shea? Hello.
1: Yeah, I'm here. Sorry about that. I think they should come down to the stadium and uh, bring their radio, watch our game, and listen to
0: theirs. Okay. Especially Good. if it's going to be a nice day, you'd want to be outside. Good solution. I thought you might say that. Here's a question from another texter. Does one more win clinch first place? I'll answer that because Mike won't. Yes, it does. Hi, Bob and Coach. Do you and the players, not necessarily me, I watch every CFL game, but he says, Mike, do you and the players watch any of the other CFL games on TV? I watch them
1: all, and you know that, Bob. Um, We talk about other games all the time. I, I do try to encourage the players to... Uh, watch as many games as possible, especially the young players. Uh, you know, when other leagues come on and uh, college football's on, they, they get a lot of football. Um, so I, I don't know how many are, are watching the CFL games, but I think as we go along further here, um, more and more guys will, will probably tune in and, and
0: see what's going on. Back to the phones we go. Brian, you're on the Coaches Show with Mike O'Shea for DeKalb Seed, the seed for every season.
4: Hi, guys. I have a comment for you, Bob, and a question for you, Mike. Uh, A couple weeks ago, Bob, you were kind of disappointed that we never got to play Ottawa. But even then, you may never have a guarantee that you can beat them in Ottawa we play them. But if you look at the bright side, we got to play Edmonton, and we beat them three times, and they have the same record.
0: Um, Would you agree? Well, yeah, I was just, yeah, know, I mean, it, yeah. I mean, it seemed, the ba- the schedule's unbalanced, okay, and that's just the way it is, and there's been a lot of joking about the fact that uh, the Bombers didn't get to play Ottawa, but it's worked out pretty well, hasn't it? Yeah,
4: and I like Mike's attitude on, he's like, saying, I don't care who the team is, we'll just play, we'll be whoever, um, and I re- that's what I remember back from then. So, um, Mike, my question is, um, have you ever seen, a in your playing days with Hamilton and Toronto, have you ever seen a a defense a group that clicked as much as the one you have right now? Uh,
1: I, I really try not to compare um, this group to any other group. Um, these guys are good. They have a lot of fun together on the field. Um, they prepare well together off the field. You know, looks like they're having fun out there, like I said. Um, it, it is, I'll say this, coming to work every day, uh, with this team is is pretty easy. They're they're fun to be around. So you're your problem. You enjoy watching them. So that's all I I want to hear. Yeah, I do enjoy watching them.
0: Okay. okay, Brian. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. You know, I, I've had a couple of texts here, Mike, from people saying they're disappointed in some of the telecasts and that they don't think Zach Kolaris gets enough uh, credit for the kind of season he's having and that other guys. Well, as a matter of fact, Jim Barker said the other night that Mike Riley, Michael Riley is the best quarterback in the league. Uh, and when I heard that, I thought, well, I'm a fan of Michael Riley. He's had a terrific career, uh, but the Lions have lost three games in a row, and Michael Riley's really struggling. And uh, Do you think, Mr. Kolaris, you watch the games now, do you think he gets overlooked a bit? <laughs> I'll say
1: this. I- I'm not so sure that Zach even gives a hoot about what other people think about him or whatever, you know. I think he's a, a fierce competitor and wants to go out there and, um, you know, win games and, and play well and do well for his team. And uh, however the wins come about, I'm sure he's happy for the wins and what other people say, especially broadcasters. Uh, he probably <laughs> probably doesn't even, you know... He certainly wouldn't lose, lose any sleep over it. That's for sure.
0: Well, Jim Barker is a broadcaster, but he's also a football guy. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's not like some knucklehead like me making that comment. It's a guy who you would respect as a football guy.
1: Well, Jim Barker gave me my first job. I know. So, I know. And he, was, and he coached me, and we won a championship together. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, but I don't know that those opinions matter. To, to the players
0: no they don't I, and I wasn't suggesting they do I was anyway Michael Riley in the BC Lions will be here Saturday night and whatever issues the Lions might be having Michael Riley still uh, is a dangerous competitor isn't he uh,
1: very strong strong arm tough to bring down fierce competitor you know tough and smart all those things that we liken Zach too.
0: Mike, thanks very much. You're back to practice tomorrow and then the game on Saturday night and then the bye week. So we'll hear, see you uh, back here via telephone, unfortunately, due to COVID. Mike can't come to the studio still. We'll see you again via phone next week. Thanks a lot, Bob. Have a good night. Okay, Mike O'Shea, that's the Coaches Show on 680 CJOB.